You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires. It is Friday, June 11, 2021. Here we are, almost summertime uh, in this part of the world. It is hot over here. Uh, wherever you may be, audience, hopefully it is warm. It is comfortable. Uh, we are thrilled to have you with us, and we are thrilled to have an amazing guest today. Not just an amazing guest. We're going to be agile today and how we're going to talk about CX. Uh, today is Season 2, Episode 20, and the title of today's episode is Agile CX Implementation, and our guest is none other than Olga Potapsteva, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. I've been practicing just a little bit. I had a I had an uh, incorrect pronunciation before the we hit record, but I hope I got it. Olga, did I do it correctly? Potapsteva. That's fine. Yes. Hi. Thank you. Oh wait, no. Potaps Potapsteva. Did, did I get that one? Potapsteva. <laughs> Potapsteva is the way I pronounce it, but most many people say Potapsteva, so I'm used to both. No worries. Even though I was, even though I was, I was practicing, I got it on Potapsteva. All right. I yeah, I don't, I, I don't make it easy. I, I, <laughs> even I though it, I took agile, this part I don't make easy. <laughs> uh, we are really excited to have you. Uh, we're going to be discussing discussing agile CX implementation. We're going to introduce Olga and and, and uh, talk about her background in just a second. Paul, agile wise. How do you feel today? Are you agile? Or are you what? <laughs> fireside, fireside Chats Friday. I'm buzzing, Neil. Of course I am. In a very agile way. In a very agile way. So let's get into it. It's great. It's not a Friday without Paul buzzing. And uh, we're going to do this. We're going to have some fun today. Uh, but we're going to talk about a topic that is, uh, it's, it's a topic I see that's out there. It's a topic I've used, and I will admit publicly, I don't know really what the topic truly means. And so we're going to jump into, into that in just a second. Before we get there, Olga, um, for the audience, you should definitely be following Olga on LinkedIn. Uh, she's done a number of great things. Uh, we're, of course, we're going to be talking about her chapter that she contributed to the Customer Experience 3 book. We'll get there in just a second. But for those that don't know Olga, she is the Founder CX Implementation Advisor for the European Customer Consultancy. She's also the executive director of memberships for the Customer Institute, and she's an author uh, for Customer Experience Magazine. And, but what really brings her to us today is the chapter that she's contributed uh, to the Customer Experience 3 book with a great title, Fly Me to the Moon, Turning CX Programs into Reality. Uh, Olga, welcome to the program. We're so happy to have you. Let the audience hear you. Let us know that, let them know that you're Actually, not just a, a great image that we're seeing on this screen, but let's hear your voice. Welcome to the program. Hi, Paul. Hi, Neil. Hello, the audience. Very good to virtually meet you, and thank you very much for the invitation. Very excited to be on this podcast, and very excited to be talking about Agile, of course. That's uh, what I love, that's what I do, and that's what turns CX dreams into reality. So for the audience that doesn't really know you, Tell us a little about your claim to fame. How did you become so important uh, in the CX world? And just a little bit about your background. 
Uh, thank you for calling me important in the CX world. I hope I add something to it. Um, I started my career about 20 years ago with GFK, which is one of the global leaders in market research. And back then, CX wasn't really a thing, but I had a privilege to support Thomson Reuters in their call center transformation, for which we won their Global Marketing Excellence Award. And the reason why we won this award, because it was done in a truly customer-centric way when they were closing down call centers in the US and transferring them to Asia, that was so seamless and great for customer experience. So that got me really interested. And I uh, left GFK and saw the position of head of customer experience and insight at Domestic and General, which is a UK insurer. And there I spent um, a number of years in institutionalizing customer centricity, if you like. That doesn't sound exciting, but it was very exciting. It was very transformational. And uh, the thing that engaged me most is listening to what people on the front line had to say about customer experience and integrating their voice within the business transformation. And um, there it occurred to me that a lot of insights are not being heard by businesses and um, strategies are being developed in you know, ivory towers uh, so that what this is when i started thinking about implementation and why cx is often left as a strategy or as a journey map but it doesn't really follow through to tangible results um, so when i left domestic in general i founded my own consulting company and <clears throat> developed cx implementation toolkit based on agile principles um, I'm also very passionate about standards in customer centricity for the industry. Um, that's why I do collaborate with Customer Institute. Um, as you said, I'm an executive director there for memberships. I judge very frequently at Customer Experience Awards and contribute to knowledge sharing through books and articles that I write. Um, so I guess a fun fact, I have to finish with a fun fact, right? Because I've been saying all these Please. things about me. <laughs> you got to keep Paul so, buzzing somehow. Give us something fun. <laughs> so I, I was one of the first ones who started the virtual working world three years ago when I moved out of the UK and moved to Southern Europe to Georgia. But I promise I wasn't the one who started the pandemic. <laughs> I guess I was uh, more prepared than uh, many people because I was all set up to do this. And um, now I live this in this very small country with my partner, two kids, a dog and a cat. And I conduct a sizable global business out of here and love it. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. By the way, that was an un, a little unknown tidbit for us that you worked and have experience working in the contact center. Both Paul and I are both from the contact center. It's a world we know well, and it's always nice to uh, unite with people that are in the larger CX space that come from the contact center space. It, 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 not everybody now in the contact center, not everybody in CX has passed through the contact center and has a true understanding of, in fact, more and more people I think I found don't know the contact center and don't have never really stepped foot in it or never put a headset on or never managed it. And so I think it gives uh, those that have an extra set of eyes, ears, and perspective into understanding the 360 degree view of what truly CX is. 
Yeah, I don't have to claim I don't claim in-depth expertise in contact center management, but I always took proactive interest in how contact centers work and what they mean for the organization. And I think their impact is very often underappreciated. They're sure. all amazing places to be in. So let's jump right into uh, the chapter that you contributed to the Customer Experience 3 book. Again, the chapter is Fly Me to the Moon, Turning CX Programs into Reality. And throughout the chapter, I think the underlying, uh, let's call it basis or framework, is the concept of agile project management. And, and then once again, it's a term that I have used. It's a term I probably have abused. I don't really understand what it is. By the way, I'll share one simple story. Uh, someone in our IT department, the leader of our IT department, in fact, came to me and said, yeah, you know, we're going to approach this from an agile project management perspective. And I remember my thought, yeah, yeah, let's do that. We're going to do that. And thinking to myself later, like, what did I just agree to? It sounds good. Yeah, we're going to be agile and we're going to project management. And so we're going to be agile project managers. Great. But I don't really know what I agreed to. I just know that the outcome of that project has started out and been managed very effectively. For those like me, which audience you can admit, you don't necessarily know what agile project management is. That's okay. That's why we're here. What is agile project management? I'll try to describe it very simply. And if, if you Google what's agile, it'll tell you it's the ability to move quickly and easily. And that's all you really need to know, but I will go into a little bit more depth. Um, as you've rightly pointed out, Agile is mostly associated with software development. And um, where it originated from is that people often came to IT developers and said, we need this. I think we need this. And uh, I'm sure we need this. And they said, okay, well, you'll get this in two years. So they went away and worked on something for two years. And then they come back and those people who said, we need this say, oh, actually, no, do you know what? We don't need that. I, I, I was mistaken. I, I couldn't specify it properly because I didn't know what you do. So um, software developers said, okay, well, that's, that's impossible to work like this in this waterfall approach. Um, let's just deliver small things in short phases and iterate and see how we can arrive to problem resolution rather than fulfilling a shopping list that the client gave us. And that proved very effective in software development. Now, how does that relate to Agile is, uh, Agile CX, I mean, is again, the ability to transform quickly and easily. And um, very often organizations develop a customer experience strategy and maybe map customer journeys. And then they feel paralyzed by the magnitude of change that they have to embark on. So breaking down that huge aspiration into small manageable projects is what Agile is. And um, what my methodology is based on is two principles. It's visualization and rhythm. Visualization means that you achieve full clarity and transparency on goals and progress. And rhythm means that you engage with these projects regularly. Um, so yeah, agile, agile is quite simple as a concept. And unlike um, popular joke, it's not getting nine women to deliver a baby in one month. 
<laughs> it's getting all women in the participating group to deliver healthy, happy babies. What a great analogy. I like that. So let, let's kind of narrow the, this part of the discussion about agile project management. I think you've helped us understand it at a, at a, a, a more macro level. What is agile project management in CX? Let's talk about that. Um, so in CX, it's applying agile principles to drive CX change or customer centricity within the organization. And um, a CX manager is a leader who's specifically dedicated to the imposition of customer centricity upon chaos, even if chaos is perfectly happy with the status quo. Right? No one in the organization is particularly willing to change, but the CX manager has um, the keys to sustainable change and to aligning what people do uh, towards customer outcomes. But they often feel that others aren't perceptive to this. You know, it's no secret to anyone that we are, tend to work in functional silos. And the silos are great because people specialize and you know, a marketing specialist can't be an IT specialist. So we, we need silos, but we need that um, glue that unites silos and that's customer centricity. So Agile helps CX managers to drive this change in an easy and enjoyable way to show the results quickly to get people to participate in successful projects and then create advocates where others go out and say, oh, look, I've, been, I've just been part of this amazing project. It's successful. We've achieved very specific results. Now I want to do more. Why don't you join me? Um, so in terms of the skills that an agile project manager in CX needs, I believe First of all, you'd be surprised by this probably, is emotional intelligence. Um, because if you take agile project management toolkit in its pure form, it's not going to work in CX. It has to be tailored to the specific types of people you're trying to engage. So you're trying to engage with a lot of different people with various agendas and busy schedules. So you really have to tailor what you do and how you talk about it. And that requires emotional intelligence. Um, the second skill is ability to organize self and others around you, be, be structured. I think the third one is prioritization skills. And the fourth is persistence and resilience. So out of the four skills that I've mentioned, Two are soft skills. And I want to reiterate that it's very important to have those soft skills for agile CX managers. You quote something in your chapter, I'm just gonna flip to it one second, which was very, very interesting. Um, talking about investments in CX. I'm gonna read this paragraph. Again, this is from your chapter in the book. Um, of the CX practitioners who said their focus was to encourage their companies to make large investments in CX, only 51% had survived in their role beyond year two. What an interesting thing 
to have documented and, of course, to have shared here with us, it tells us that the people that are sponsors, that are the champions of these projects, maybe they are, they've been successful in getting the CFO or the senior management to agree and buy in and, and fund a project. But these people don't, are not able to stay on beyond two years because of something or some things. There's limitations, right, of why these people can't last in their, in their current positions. And I think maybe is that alluding to limitations in what you just described? Maybe it's uh, in emotional intelligence. Maybe it's in something else. But certainly they're not doing something in, in an agile enough way to be able to, to stick on. Yes, yeah, I think... Uh, well, hopefully some of these people progress happily to bigger, better futures. But uh, for those who aren't able to stay in their roles and really wanted to, the most frequent reason is that they haven't been able to demonstrate tangible change. Um, CX remains in their organizations this fluffy, nice-to-have discipline. And COVID shows, showed us that in many organizations, that was the first department to suffer from um, budget cuts. But the reason why they're not able to demonstrate tangible change is because either they're trying to do projects that are too big and beyond their remit, which Agile helps with, breaking it down into small parts, or they're not engaging others around them effectively, where those soft skills become very important. Interesting. Um, you made me think, just as you said that again, about trying to break it down into small piece, pieces. Your your final, your previous thought about um, you can't have nine women having babies in one month. You have to have a team birthing the project in nine months. Everyone has to be involved and have buy-in. It made me that resonated with me. I like that 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 uh, that comparison a lot. Um, the other thing that occurs to me here, one is the project management of the, of a CX initiative. And we've talked about this with previous guests before. Sometimes it doesn't matter what the project is, but what happens is that you, you, you can't or one cannot t connect or tie the project to overall business results. And if there's no connection or impact on the business results, it doesn't matter how nice it says to, oh, we have to have employee experience initiatives. Oh, we have to treat the customer with empathy. Oh, we have to have omni-channel. Oh, we have to have automation and many, 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 many more examples. If there's no connection to the business results, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the connections are sometimes difficult to establish, especially if you're talking about slightly intangible things like culture change, but it's not impossible because culture change consists of a number of initiatives that aim to achieve a specific outcome in time. And each of those smaller initiatives can certainly be connected to some business outcomes like lower absenteeism, for example, or um, higher engagement. Um, so I agree with you completely that before any project is initiated, there needs to be a connection to both customer and the business benefit and clear understanding of the core idea for this project. Why are we doing this in the first place? 
Agreed. Agreed. One thing I think would be fun for us to do is uh, I always like to try to, to, to connect the practical real life um, examples uh, to some of the theory that we talk about. What if we as an organization, if we were in the same organization together uh, and we were tasked, someone came up with a great idea of let's introduce a chat bot. Let's introduce automation. And by the way, it could be any project you could fill in the blank, but I just thought it'd be fun because I like automation and uh, chatbots and artificial intelligence. If we as an organization wanted to take a new initiative, what would we do to manage that initiative in an agile way? I think that is consistent with the things that you are uh, wanting us to do and, and rethink. Where would we start? What would we do? How would we look at it? And again, the idea is to just to take a, a concrete, specific uh, example of some of the things our organizations face in CX, and let's apply it to the things that you've talked about in your chapter. What would that look like? Yeah, yeah. Funny you mentioned chatbot because it's uh, a real project that I have done uh, with with a client of mine implementing chatbots. And the first question that I always ask is, what is the need for it? and what is the customer benefit? And usually the need for the business is quite clear. We want to reduce contact center costs, right? We want more people to go through automated channels. Uh, but when it comes to, the, to defining the customer benefit, a bit more thinking needs to be done. And this is a very important step because it narrows down your um, scope for the chatbot. If you say, I want customers to have a better experience, then you need to define what better experience. And that becomes clear when you start asking this question, it becomes clear that the chatbot can't handle emotional inquiries or complaints, for example. It has to be very specific, transactional, and quick. And this is where customer benefit would actually materialize. Otherwise, you're just going to create something really big and unusable. So that's already a very first, but very important step that saves you a lot of time and a lot of money then we always define who is the owner for this project, who has the ultimate accountability for delivering this project. Usually it's not the CX team. In this case, it would probably be the digital or contact center, um, but there has to be one person who's responsible for it. Then we define the core idea. So what in one sentence, what is the idea of this project? And what is the definition of done? So how would we know that we've achieved the result that we wanted to achieve for the organization? We also define how we're going to measure success. So in, in case of a chatbot, that could be a reduction in specific call inquiries for specific reasons. and successful resolution by the chatbot. What we also, in this case, what we would necessarily consider is whether chatbot is taking some calls away by driving other calls. So all these connections need to be thought through in advance and measurement system needs to be quite robust. And this is where this connection is made to the business case, you know, where, where we spoke previously. Um, then key milestones when are we going to see reporting or communication or results? Uh, key stakeholders. 
So in addition to the accountable person, there would be other people who need to contribute, and that could be legal or finance or digital, um, whoever is involved in the sign-off process. It's very helpful to define those upfront and think about their needs, the way they think. Um, going back to my point about emotional intelligence, we need to prepare, understand what types of people they are, what sort of communication they're going to require, what's their processes that they're dealing with. And that ensures that our project is on a, on a path to success. Uh, we then talk about risks, as ways of working. We necessarily define how we're going to work with each other and uh, resources. Clearly, we need to identify what are the resources. So this becomes a, a project book or project Bible, however you want to call it. And this is a reference document where we can always go and direct our stakeholders. But then we need to set up a plan with a specific rhythm, um, visualization tools. So in my practice, I often use monday.com, which I think is a great tool for agile CX management. Uh, it's very easy to access, very transparent, and it serves our purpose to maintain the rhythm. Um, one, one interesting thing in Agile that everyone has in software development particularly is daily briefings. Um, it's designed to be a very short 10-minute exchange of um, plans for today. What has been accomplished yesterday, what I'm going to focus to, on today. What I'm finding in, I'm, I'm always experimenting with the Agile CX implementation toolkit, and it's never set in stone. And what I'm finding there is that in our industry, people don't like daily briefings. It, it just doesn't work. So we drop that. In most cases, I don't use them. I always offer them to clients, but most of them say, no, it's too much. Um, so we only have weekly milestones. And to finish off with, we always define the first steps to do right now. Um, I think this is very important. That makes sure that we don't shelve this project. You know, we agree to do the chatbot, we describe the project, we all agree with each other, and then we go off and do our usual things. If we are not given a specific thing that we're going to have to do in the next couple of days. Um, so all these little triggers, it's a combination of structured thinking and psychological triggers. And I'm not going to go into the details of you know, stimulating the right neurons in your brain to make sure you do the things you're supposed to do. But um, it, it is built on those principles and making sure it's effective and it's enjoyable. It's, you know, we want people to be happy at work as well. Yeah. This is a great breakdown. Thank you for this. Uh, it made me think as I was listening to you, uh, some of the chatbots, for example, that we've launched and other projects we've launched, they're nothing to do with chatbots, other initiatives, new software, new tools, new procedures, uh, introduction of new people, creating a new uh, job uh, or, or function in the org chart. Lots of different uh, things that, uh, that uh, create change in an organization. And we've done so without always the right structure, framework, or vision, we sort of think, okay, we'll, we'll do it, we'll figure it out as we go along. And m many of those have led to great frustration, uh, difficulty, challenges, and uh, it clearly tells me that, man, I wish, I, I wish we had Olga on board doing this for us, 
at managing us and, and helping to organize us and get us to do this uh, correctly because we would have had a better chance to do this from the beginning, to be successful from the beginning. And it certainly would have saved time, effort, and probably cost as well. And this was yeah. a great breakdown. Thank you, Paul. I, I'm not thinking a lot. I imagine you probably have the same thing in your organization, right? Changes that we yeah. introduced and realize just in the middle of the process, oh my gosh, we didn't do this correctly. We didn't think about this. Why didn't we think about this? How did we not occur, how did this not occur to us, right? That's common, I think, in yeah, all of our exactly. organizations. Yeah, yeah exactly, and normally. Go on, Olga, sorry. I think it can still happen, but you minimize the chances of this happening. And um, you don't have those situations where people turn up to meetings and they feel they're in the wrong meeting. You know, they, they have no idea what this project is about and everyone has different expectations. You're right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, this, Sorry, this, 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 you wanted to say something. No, all, all I was going to say, going back to Neil's point about projects, was you only realize what you've missed when you come towards the back end of the project. And then normally that adds time, cost, and everything back into the project, right? So in terms of going through what you were talking about, the processes and, and the framework that you have, I think, yeah, it's just the way to do things, right? And like Neil, I've, I've heard the word agile banded about in meetings, and um, I've gone, yeah, yeah, let's do it, and that really understood what it is. So I've, for me, I've really appreciated this. Thank you so much. It sounds great, right? It, 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 who would say no to agile project management? You'd be unagile if you if you it works. no, I don't, want, I, I don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> why would you want? Why wouldn't you want to do projects quicker, easier, and in a more enjoyable fashion? It works. Um, it's just like like you. A lot of people think, oh, agile is just another thing to do. Like I've got about 20 things on my list and then I need to put agile onto that list as well. It, it's not like this. It helps you go through your list of things quicker, better, in a more focused way. Maybe drop some of those things because they don't even add value. Um, so it's, it's a different way of looking at things rather than an, another thing to do. Yeah, 100%. It is. By the way, I think uh, I, Olga did something very unexpected uh, in her explanation of project, uh, agile project management. I did not expect her to bring in the emotional component to this. Uh, I thought that uh, the discussion might be certainly more technical, more um, more concrete, more tangible, more specific. And, and it was a nice surprise to understand and hear that there is an emotional intelligence component to this that probably many of us overlook and don't think about. So that, that was nice to see and hear that from you. Thank you, thank you. I think it's it's extremely important, especially in CX. And um, I don't advocate that anyone takes any methodology and just tries to apply it without any emotional intelligence. Agreed. Our friend Sandra Thompson, who's been a guest on this podcast before, uh, also in the UK, has, is a big um, uh, proponent and probably pioneer of the importance of emotional intelligence in the contact center and in customer care. So I have a little credit, a little footnote for Sandra Thompson and the work that she's done as well. Um, th this I, is really I great. Know Sandra very well. I've just delivered a session in her um, EI Evolution Summit earlier this week on EI and Agile. And that was really well received because most people don't think of Agile as, as connected to emotions at all. Yeah. I wonder, were, was her audience expecting to be uh, 
to learn about agile project management. My guess is those that are, this may be a very vast generalization and stereotype here. My guess is those that are interested in understanding emotional intelligence aren't necessarily the same people that are focused on uh, uh, managing projects in agile fashion. My, my thought is there's two worlds that typically don't merge together. And again, it's a nice surprise. And I think it's a logical progression for us to, to mm -hmm. go there. It just, my guess is the audience might have thought, well, wait, I came here to be emotional and to talk about uh, feelings and understand how to manage these things in my organization, not to learn about project management necessarily. Was that a, a, a reaction? Um, I think the audience wanted to learn how to manage TX effectively. And um, it, it really upsets me to see so many gifted CX managers and, um, you know, directors not getting anywhere in their organizations. They constantly feel that they're, you know, banging their head against the wall and trying to lead the organization where the organization doesn't want to go. Um, so they're looking for effective ways to bring that customer-centric transformation to their workplace. And hopefully by learning about agile and learning about emotional intelligence especially the two of them combined they would be more successful in their roles good thank you thank you for sharing that i'd like to switch uh, to the final third of the podcast we'd like to ask our guests uh some, some totally separate questions um different than that specific topic that we, we we began to talk about um we'd like to get your take on three questions the first one our audience should be familiar with. We'd like to ask our guests, take a CX myth and bust the myth. This is our CX myth buster question. Is there a myth in the CX world that you would like to bust? I think you have an interesting one to share with us. Oh, let me think. There are lots of myths. Um, I think the most widespread one is CX is all about doing what your customers want. And I don't think it's true. And I'd like to use IKEA as an example. Um, IKEA create deliberate friction. And that's very clever. Uh, like no one, no one loves going to IKEA. I mean, people divorced over going to IKEA, but everyone goes to IKEA to get one thing and they come out with a trolley of stuff. And then they don't say, oh, I'm never going to, well, they do say I'm never going to go back to IKEA, but they go back. Um, because the stuff they get, it meets their expectations. The prices, the you know, the price, the product, and the service are correct, and the experience is overall meeting their expectations. But IKEA is not doing everything that their customers want. Uh, their customers want to come in, get one thing, and go out. Um, so by creating that deliberate friction in the experience, they're not damaging the customer experience massively, but they are probably tripling their revenue, if not more. Mm -hmm. So that, that is a very clever approach to customer experience, and it's hopefully busting the myth. I like that. By the way, just for the record, I'm the one that goes to IKEA for, the, for something that most people don't go to IKEA for. I go to IKEA to have lunch in the cafeteria, <laughs> and they have these amazing Swedish meatballs that are just amazing. By the way, I'm the guy, I buy the frozen bags of them. I buy two bags, I bring them home every time. I, yes, I've gone, I've looked for the sofa and the chair and the desk and the seat and these things. But I make sure before I leave there, I'm going to have lunch in that cafeteria. I'm, I'm that person. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure 
about 60% of IKEA customers do exactly that, especially if they have kids. Like my kids would trade anything for IKEA meatballs. <laughs> I love that. I'm, 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 and I'm the guy who's, who's, who's had a relationship fail because of IKEA. <laughs> oh, you're the guy. You're Sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> That was me. <laughs> so funny. By the way, what is what is really interesting is that we live in three different geographies, each of us, and yet we've had a shared, mostly shared common experience with that brand. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's another part of customer experience, isn't it? It's consistent. Wherever you go, you'll find the same IKEA. Yeah. Interesting. Perfect. Let's go on to the second question. You have some great CX quotes uh, that you'd like to share. By the way, from some people that um, that are not as that don't are not as commonly quoted on our show as I would expect. So I'm happy to see the these quotes and and where they came from. Would you mind sharing those with us if you have them with you? I don't have them with me. I have them with but... me. I could share them. Because I, I have what you share with us. If you wanted me to read them, I would, I, I'd be willing to do that. If you, if you authorize me to share your quotes, I will happily do so. Uh, yes, please, if you could. Perfect. Here, the, here we are, audience. So you, just so you know, we're, we don't make these things up as we go along. We, we, our guests actually prepare these thoughtfully ahead of time. So the first quote uh, that Olga shared with us is from Stephen Hawking. Intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. That's a great quote, isn't it? Yeah, aligns very well with what I do, and that's why I like this quote. Yeah, the, the ability to adapt to change that hopefully makes us all more intelligent. Um, second quote, or uh, yeah, second quote. If every, by the way, this is from Henry Ford. If everyone is moving forward together, then success takes care of itself. And by the way, what, what a great quote for what we're talking about in agile project management, the importance of moving together. And what you've explained to us is how we get to move together, how we get to that point. And what we're learning from this quote is, if we move together, then success takes care of itself. Henry Ford, I really like that one. Yes, definitely. I think, especially in CX, it's really important. Henry Ford wasn't in CX, but um, we, we love this in CX. Um, a lot of people who work in CX are a team of one or a team of few but they need to align everyone else in the organization behind the customer agenda and how they do that determines the success of the organization. Mm -hmm. well, well stated. Uh, let's go to the final third of this final third, which are your uh, CX heroes. And I don't know if you have them at top of mind or have them handy. I certainly have the list in front of me. Um, would you like to mention just a few of those? Because you have a nice list here, a nice robust list from people from all over the literally all over the globe, I think. Um, who would yes, those be? I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to work with people in many geographies, and I, I love it. Um, I've, but there are a lot of people who I would want to mention, but um, in the interest of time, I'll mention just a few. Um, Ian Golding is definitely one of those. He's had an immense impact on me, on my career, on the way I feel, and um, on the CX community overall. He's a very generous person, and for that, he's my CX hero. 
Um, I'd like to mention Holly Richardson as well. Um, Holly used to be um, head of TX at Unilever Food Solutions, but she's now moved on to Microsoft. And um, the reason I admire her is that she has driven customer-centric transformation almost single-handedly. She has a lot of resilience and persistence and a lot of belief in what she does and that emotional intelligence to be able to lead people um, behind her. I would also like to single out Manir Al-Sanaid and she works in Saudi Arabia. She is very passionate about CX. She, again, drives that transformation in her organization very, very effectively. Uh, well, there, there's so many other people. Mandisa uh, Magubala, she is based in South Africa and she is the person with the biggest heart. She works to make sure that people in the townships of Cape Town have a chance in life. They have that equal opportunity and she she would even do things for free, even though she is a consultant and she does have to provide for herself and for her family as well. She feels so passionate about helping people that she, she would do it regardless. And um, I admire her a lot for her strength and her belief and her work in South Africa. And if I haven't mentioned someone, um, please forgive me, but I do admire no, a lot of people in this industry you did oh there's one i don't you think you mentioned john timpson sorry say that again john timpson john tim yeah john timpson john timpson is uh, a great individual the reason i pause there is because he isn't in cx as such but he is very inspirational if you don't know john then um, Google his company, timson.co.uk, um, they do repair services like shoe repairs and dry cleaning. He is an amazing role model, a, a brilliant businessman, and very much employee and customer focused in everything he does. He reversed his business model completely to say, those at the front line serving customers are the head of our organization. Everyone else, including myself as a CEO and the owner, are there to support them. So, HR, what can you do to support these people? It's not like we dictate the rules by which you live. You tell us what you need to serve customers best, and we will do that. Um, but also in his life, he's done some wonderful things. He's fostered 70 children in his lifetime and um, adopted one of those. So very much of a of an individual and personality there you have a great list of cx heroes thank you for sharing this with us let's uh we're going to wind the episode down now uh i want to thank you for being a great guest and allowing us to understand a not so easy topic uh and actually what it means and how we can apply it into our organ organizations uh by the way as a uh mentioned sometimes I like to put in a plug uh, and I'm going to do this shamelessly on your behalf. What a um, good idea it would be for our organizations to have an expert 
to guide us in how to uh, implement and put into production agile project management. My organization would have certainly benefited many, many times over had we had an expert like you working for us. So I'm going to shamelessly plug you um, and, and our, our audience certainly go find Olga. Find her on LinkedIn. Uh, she is certainly an authority on this topic and it was wonderful to have you together with us on, on today's podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Paul, we're wrapping up here. Fly me to the moon, turning CX programs into reality. Season two, episode 20. Great episode, wasn't it? I think you're still buzzing. Brilliant. I am still buzzing. And I forgot to mention it earlier, but Fly Me to the Moon is one of my all-time favorite songs. I'm a huge Sinatra fan. So, yeah, it just resonates with me on so many different levels. So, Olga, thank you so much. I've learned so much today in, what, just under an hour. I, now, I, I, don't, I don't know what Agile is, but I tell you what, I've got a better understanding than I did less than an hour ago. It's been fantastic. Thank you. So, so much, Olga. Honestly, it's been great. Very happy. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm glad our, our taste in music seems to coincide. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. I would, I would almost brilliant. argue anyone who doesn't like Fly Me to the Moon just doesn't like music. You, you, you can't <laughs> not like that song. You cannot like Sinatra. If that doesn't generate feedback by our audience, I don't know what will. Audience comment on that, exactly. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, it's, it's certainly close <laughs> to my heart. Anything to related to space, because my dad is a space scientist, uh, so even, even that song does. <laughs> oh, of course, perfect. Of course, okay, love it. All right, I, I'm going to I'm going to wrap this one up. I'm going to hopefully get this right again. Olga Potapsteva, yes, thumbs up. I Potapsteva. I hope I I, I I pronounced it correctly this last time. Um, once again, a, a, a wonderful guest. Thank you for joining us. You've made us think. Uh, you've made us understand a, a, a topic that many of us have not understood up until now. Um, and we really appreciate you joining us. Audience, make sure you uh, buy the Customer Experience 3 book. It's available. It's easy to obtain through Amazon. And certainly read Olga's chapter, Fly Me to the Moon, Turning CX Programs into Reality. One final request of the audience, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Those things help us. We appreciate them. We also want your feedback. If there's things you'd like to hear differently, know about, learn, guests you'd like to uh, see appear on this, different topics, please give that feedback to us. We want to become better and better and do so in an agile way because we have now learned from Olga the importance of that. Wrapping up, season two, episode 20, Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Thank you, audience, for being a part of today's session. We have thoroughly enjoyed it. Until next week. Thank you. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.